0: Lord, we thank you that you are stronger than every challenge. You bring love and mercy when we're broken. And Lord, you are able, even when we're not able, Lord, you are able to keep us from stumbling. And so Lord, we pray for ourselves. We pray for our brothers and sisters who are going through so much so much pain, so much disappointment, so much heartache. And Lord, you're a good father and you give good gifts to those who ask. So Lord, we pray for the gift of mercy for those who are feeling life's burdens right now. And Lord, we thank you that you're doing this for us and we're calling on you now to accomplish the thing that burdens us today. In Jesus' name and everybody said, amen. All right, you can see tears on a screen. Why don't you do this, uh, do me a favor. Have a seat, if you would, here in the building. And for those of you at home, uh, thank you for chiming in. I know this is kind of a strange time in life where more of our church is outside of this physical space, but together we're just trying to look on how to follow Jesus. If you have your Bible, please go to Luke chapter 12. Luke 12 is where we're going to spend uh, most of our time this morning Although we'll look at another uh, few places. And as you look at Luke 12, right there in the middle, starting in verse 13, uh, just a couple of things that are going to be helpful for the week. Uh, If you're a part of our church family, uh, we're meeting here in the building at 9 and 10 and now at 11. And just to let you know, good news, uh, we are adding a noon gathering starting next Sunday. So 9, 10, 11, 12, please. Uh, it's, it's like making chips. To keep eating the chips, you, you keep the factory open. I just called you a potato chip, and I, I repent. Okay, you're not a potato. You're a nacho. Uh, whatever you are, we want, we want you and your family to come. So tomorrow morning, give you a secret. It's no longer a secret. 8 a.m. is when we open up all of the gatherings. Find one come, make it a part of the rhythm. You're like, Jose, I'm going to come once every six weeks to make room for everyone else. Shame on you. Come now, and we will just keep adding them because we value time in God's presence together. All right, so you could do that tomorrow. Just don't scalp and sell the tickets. That's a sin. If you sell your event pride, you've broken a rule, a law, and God will find you. All right, now we're starting a new series today. It's called Living Generously, and it's really an extension uh, of what we've been talking about. We've been looking at what was called the Sermon on the Mount. We've been looking at the way of Jesus, and we took months to navigate what it means to really know Jesus and follow him, like, in detail. And we got to the end, and that's what really launched this series. This, one of the final words that Jesus says, and I'll, we'll put it on the screen for you. It was in Matthew seven 12. Don't worry. Stay in Luke 12. That's where we'll be. Jesus said, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. Everything Jesus just told us. What happens when my relationship breaks down? What, what happens when I'm dealing with anger? What happens when I'm dealing with fear? What happens when I'm worried about my future? Jesus says, you want to you do the whole Bible? Here it is. Do to others what you would have them do to you. Live an others-centered life. And so I thought what would be really helpful is to drill down on the others-centered life. And now the others-centered life is mysterious. Living generously is clear. What we're saying is Jesus says, live for the good of someone else, and if every one of his followers, if everyone in this room, if everyone watching lived with the good of others in mind, how different would our world be? The trouble is, we mix up what I'm supposed to do, what I'm supposed to focus on, what I'm supposed to have, and what you're supposed to have, which takes us to what Jesus uh, said in, in Luke chapter 12. Let's just look at it starting in verse 13, and we want to see where this is going to take us. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to notice, them, I think it's the two brothers. And then, everyone listening, watch out! Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Notice it's not one kind of greed, all kinds. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Uh, Jesus here is going to deal with two people who are wondering how come I don't have all that's mine? That's really the issue. Someone in this, in, in this situation, someone had left money and inheritance. Could be a mom or a dad. Could have been an extended family. And there was trouble between the brothers. Hey, wait a minute. I deserve more. And notice the parable. Jesus tells a example story. This is not necessarily a true story. But an example story for a really true truth. And let's just look at it. Verse 16. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant crop, and he thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said to him, This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns, and I'm going to build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. Then I'll. Say to myself, notice the I. You have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. I, I, I. Verse 20, Jesus says, but God said to him. Remember, this is an illustrative story. You fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Notice, he built a bigger barn, and God didn't take his barn. He said, your life is over. Wow. Then, who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be for whoever stores up things for themselves and is not rich towards God. Living living a generous life is the way of Jesus, and living an other-centered life is the best life that you can ever live. Now, I'm not big on people giving advice, and I listen to people's advice sometimes. This isn't advice. This is the roadmap to a flourishing life. You want to live life the way God intended? Live it for other people. And I want us to see the contrast. It starts off with a real scenario. Two people or a group of people are trying to figure out, what do I do with resources, and how come I don't have enough, and, and Jesus looks to the heart. Now, why are we doing this as a church? Because in this COVID-saturated, messed up world, we have been isolated for so long. Um, it is very strange to be now in a room with humans where we took that as like, that was obvious, right? Right? I think when you came here, you wondered, uh, if you've been here before, you know, like, are my seats going to be in the right spot? And, and, and is it going to be safe to go to church? Is it safe to go to school? Is it safe to go to work? Is it safe to breathe the smoky air? Is it, is it safe? And the byproduct of that, unfortunately, it has made us very inward, hasn't it? I can't get the virus. I got to be safe. I have to protect And there's nothing wrong with being safe. I mean, I wear a seatbelt, people. Like, being safe is a good thing. But I think seven months of it has distorted us to live so inward. And it's not our fault. Look, you didn't say stay at home. Everyone else said stay at home. You didn't shut everything down. Everyone else shut everything down. But the byproduct is we're now so focused on us, I don't even see you. I don't even see you. You've become secondary. What's important is me. And this is not the way of Jesus. So here's what I want to do lay out a way for us to be the countercultural people who actually live for the good of other people and model out yes, we're safe, but we don't live in fear. And yes, things are weird, but I care about you. And what would it look like if everyone in our church was on their block, the other centered family? What if we were the people that were like, I'm really looking for my physical neighbor? And whatever they don't have, if I have it, it's theirs. This is the way of Jesus. So as a church, here's here's what we're going for. Whatever we're preaching on, whatever we do as a church gets run through this grid. I'm gonna put it on the screen for some of you visiting or you've been newer to the church, you may not know it, but this is what drives everything. Our budget, our staffing, our resources, our energy. It's together, we are learning to follow Jesus, love one another And share the good news. This is our heart. Because we want everyone to experience life in Jesus. Everyone on the planet. So how do we do that? This is our how. Together, we're going to learn to follow Him. Thus, a series on generosity. We're going to learn to love one another, which means I care about you as much or more than I care about me. That's love. If you've ever fallen in love, it'll make you do the goofiest things. You really love someone and you realize, I, I don't care. Whatever whatever it is, whatever it is that's important to you is now important to me. Genuine love. And we want to share the good news. Jesus had good news to, to a family that had money messed up. He wanted to set them right. And sometimes that's a hard word. Um, I think about generosity. Just this week. I mean, like literally this week. On Friday, a, a buddy of mine, Dean, who goes to our church here, through his business, he uh, joined a charity golf tournament, and, and he, through his business, purchased the, the, the foursome. And so the m- money was used for the good in, in the city of Beaverton, where he lives. And that's a good thing, right? So through his business, he's generous, thinking about others. That's wonderful. Using your business for the good of others, that's a good thing. And then he had three other spots. He was golfing, and he invited me to go out. And I, we, had, we laughed so much that I went home with a sore throat and thought, oh, forgive me, Jesus, because I got to speak on Sunday. It was so, it's Fridays are my day off. It was so much fun. I went home so tired, but elated, and I got a tan, thank you, Jesus. And, and all that, you know what? I had nothing to do with it. I, uh, Dean was just kind, he was kind enough, he's probably mad that I'm saying hi, Dean. Um, he was kind enough to invite me. He couldn't invite anybody. He invited me, and I'm grateful uh, and and yesterday, so uh, COVID makes you start doing interesting things. i I like to cook, and so I'm 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 like I've I've I'm an expert at pasta. I'm i gonna use the word expert because I I make my own pasta and I love that. But but then I like bread too. Maybe you're not into that, but I like, I like bread and pasta. And so there's a, a, a lady in our church, Tracy. She's even here now. And her husband, Eric, and she's an amazing baker. Ran before she had kids, she had a whole business around it. And she could bake like nobody's business. And so if you've had her sourdough loaf, you've experienced heaven on earth. And so she's been kind enough and she's given us bread. At one time just had a box of her pretzel rolls delivered to our house. I'm telling you, it's like gold. I'm not sharing until this series. And, and, and you know what? I said, I want to learn how to make it. And so what you need, I didn't know this, is you need a starter to make sourdough. And I didn't know what this was. And so we went over to her house last night. She was generous enough to give a part of her dough that is growing on her counter right now and a PDF to show me step by step how many grams of flour, how many grams of water, and how often you do the thing and the thing and the thing, and you fold and you twist. I have all all the steps. And then on top of that, she said, and if you have any trouble, just text me, and I'll walk you through it. You see, I say living generously, immediately you think you're going to raise money. When living generously has everything to do with money and everything to do with skill and ability, and calendar, and care. And so what we're saying is, in every area of your life, we wanna be the people who grow in what it means to live like Jesus. By the way, Luke 12, when we read it, in light of the life of Jesus should frighten us. The guy ends, and he doesn't realize his life is gonna be required of him. In the story, God does not take away his stuff, He says, your days are over and you didn't know it. And now who's gonna get all that stuff you were living your life for? You missed an opportunity. You could have been a part of them having good things. And you, interesting, he didn't build a second barn. He tore down the good one and made a bigger one. And what Jesus says is a contrast to his life. How much did Jesus end his life with? Nothing. He didn't waste his life. He didn't waste his resources. Jesus is able to use everything that the Father gave him. Everything. And at the end of his life, a whole movement of world-changing happens because Jesus invested his life and used every resource for the good of the kingdom of God in contrast to the man with the barn. You know what he ends with? A sad tale of a rich guy who died and someone else got it all. Now this is a on purpose, a parable is usually on purpose radical and emphatic, and it's supposed to freak you out a little bit. You know, it's supposed to scare you a little bit into waking up to the reality. What's the reality? Look at verse 21. This is how it will be to everyone who stores up things, notice, for themselves and is not rich towards God. Do you know it's possible to use things well, and be rich towards God. And that's what this series is all about, is that balance. And what was imbalanced, if you read the text, just read it. In English, it's five times. In Greek, it's eight times. In there, he says, I, 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 I. Everything in the parable, me, 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 me. Nowhere is he saying, wow, and with this abundant crops, think of who I could feed. I should store more so that I can relax and I can sit around and eat, drink, and be merry. And it's God's heart for him to enjoy life and for us to enjoy life and yet yet not be strangleholded. Strangleholded, that's not even a word. Strangleheld by this thing called money. Riches, more, And I want us to grow in this. Two thoughts for this morning. This is just the foundation. We're going to build on it over three weeks. We're going to use a phrase over the next three weeks that could be a template for you, no matter whether you consider yourself rich or just starting out. You're struggling in your finances. You have abundant finances. There's a small grid that you can use. And the reason we're doing this now is this is the first week of our communities, our fall session. Over the next seven weeks, we're going to navigate these first four weeks we want to navigate together and talk about it. So you could take this discussion guide. Whether you, When you leave here, you can click on the website and download it. If you're in a community, you're going to talk about these things. The first question we're going to ask is, what are you buying in bulk because of COVID? This is a really good question. What are you afraid of running out of? If you're online and you want to do that right now, what are you afraid of running out of other than toilet paper? Because we we've been there and we've done that. We've already hoarded that. What are you afraid of running out of? We're gonna talk about this as a community and that seems scary. It's not scary. It's liberating when you realize I'm not the only one struggling. I'm not the only one struggling when it comes to using God's resources. All right, two things that are huge. Number one, God is generous. If you wanna have a biblical framework, a Bible mindset of resources, it doesn't start with us. It starts with God. In the beginning, God created. In the beginning, God makes. And he said it's good, and then you read on to Genesis 2, and then he he makes men and women. And by Genesis 3, men and women are made, and God gives them the whole garden and says it's yours. Eat it! Till the soil, enjoy! It's yours. Everything is yours. God's design from the beginning was for us to receive good gifts. He is good. And if I start with a framework that says God is good, Stingy, God is holding back. I'm going to miss the heart of the Bible. God is generous. Is this how we see everything? Think of the Bible. I'll give you a few examples Psalm 24, 1 and 2. The earth is whose? The Lord's. And how much? Everything in it, which is, by the way, the world and all who live in it. For he, God, founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. God has no limits. This is so encouraging. When we get this right, when we recognize God as creator, then I realize I have no limits. Now this is gonna sound like an infomercial. Frankly, it is not. It is the Bible. If I belong to Jesus and Jesus owns it all, how limited am I? I have no limits. There is nothing God cannot do through me. There's nothing God cannot do through you. You, you say, well, I'm like a student in high school. Yeah, there is nothing God cannot do through you right now because God has no limits. When we get generosity wrong, we think it's about the future and we forget it's about now. God is with us now, which means I can live generous right now. People always make the fallacy, God, I will, if you would just give me, I would fill in the blank. And I think those of us who have prayed that, I've prayed that, have found out, you know what? Proportionally, you know who the most generous people are to local churches in America today? It's people with a smaller income. People with a smaller income in churches in America today give more proportionately, percentage, than people who have more income. Now, you look at the dollars and you think, wow, they gave a million dollars towards that building or that university. Well, they're a billionaire. It's like me giving 20 bucks. Proportionate giving is often, you know why? When we have few resources, we realize, man, God, without you, I can't do anything. Over time, we become like the person with the barns. This is, I'm talking about Jesus loving people. I'm talking about me. When I realize like, oh, I got an abundant crop. Hey, look what I can do with that. Nothing wrong with enjoying, nothing wrong with spending, nothing wrong with saving. You know what the problem with the guy in the story is? He tried to save too much. That's weird. I was taught since I was a kid, make as much as you can, save as much as you can. But the third part of that, and that's a John Wesley quote, is give as much as you can. The problem with the guy in the story is he actually thought he needed More. He saved too much, and God said, "Oh, you missed it. I am generous, and I want to use you to show how generous I am. Everything is a gift from God. James 1:17 says, "Every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who doesn't change like shifting shadows. God is a generous God, and he doesn't change his mind. He's consistently generous. By the way, it may frustrate you. God is generous to people who don't love him. Do you know God is as generous to people who don't love him as he is to people who love him? It's his nature. He wakes everyone up in the morning. He gives everyone food to eat. And as a matter of fact, what's frustrating to Jesus' people is, God, why do you bless those who curse you? There's whole Psalms about that. God, why don't you be fair? I'm a good guy. Bless me. And God's like, Oh, you haven't figured me out yet. I love everyone. I'm generous. It's who I I can't. I made them. And whether they love me in return or not, I, I care for them. God is a generous God. So the second thing we need to get is God's people, God's people are called to live generously. And it's a response. It's a direct response. So Generosity never begins with me. Living an other-centered life never, it begins with God. And when I get closer to God, here's what ought to happen. If I genuinely know God, and to me, the evidence of people who are growing and they're Jesus-loving is the way they see other people. And the way they see all of life is the opportunity to live for other people. And it's a response. Now, you say, Jose, you keep talking about generosity. What are you talking about? A helpful little definition, and, and I didn't start with this, but now's the time to lay it out. It's not the only definition. I think it's a good one by a guy named Chris Willard in a great book called Contagious Generosity. Quote, generosity is at its core a lifestyle in which we share all that we have, all that we are, and all that will ever be or become as a demonstration of God's love and a response to God's grace. I wanna tease that out. Generosity is all encompassing. Where we share who we are now, who we will be in the future, as a response. God's been gracious to me. Therefore, God's been loving to me. I want to be generous towards you. This is a small but massive distinction. And please hear me. If you're not there yet, that's okay. We want to grow into this. The moment I think anything belongs to me, I will cap my generosity. So I think there's some, we're in the spectrum. Some of us say oh, are over here, which for some reason, this is always the bad side, but I just consistently moved to my right, your left. Okay, I'm over here. I struggle, I struggle with trusting God for anything. I don't even know if I'm gonna make it. I can't think about living generously yet. Some, some are there. This is a word for you. God is generous. You can be. Okay, some of us are over here. I think many of us are like, well, God gave me this and the table's gonna mean everything I have. And then God said, tithe. And uh, that means give to portion of what God has given me is for others. Uh, some would say 10%. If you were a Jew living at the time of Jesus, it was more like 30 some odd percent. Another story for another day. Come next week. Uh, the, the tithe for the people of Israel was more than 10%. That was one of the tithes. But that being said, a portion. So I make, I make you know, $50,000 a year is all in. And so a portion, say 5000 or 3000 or 2000 or whatever it is, that's God's. And then this is mine. And I would say that's almost true, but it's not. According to Jesus, according to the Bible, it's all God's. So God is asking and inviting me, live generously with portion, but notice every bit, the amount that he's given us to pay a mortgage or rent, that belongs to him. So I should think about where I live and how much I spend on my housing because it's his and what we eat and how we recreate and and what we do for other people. All, All of this is belonging to God, not God's portion And the rest is mine. And and then some are on the other side and they've got the secret, which is no secret. God's generous, therefore I can be generous. And I know many generous people in this community that wake up and get giddy about giving things away. It's like joy. It's, It's like, this is wonderful. I know people who work hard, who don't have to work at all because they're trying to give away more this year than they gave away last year. This is ridiculous. One, one person says, I want to build a barn and sit and do nothing. And someone else says, I'm following Jesus, so I want to make as much as I can. I, I know people who live on a small portion of what they bring in. And if they can give away 50%, 60%, 70%, they're absolutely ecstatic. Now, I will tell you this if you think you will get there by saying, God, give me more money, and in the future, I'll be generous. You are sadly mistaken. It's those of us who've learned to be generous with little that are made faithful over much. This leads to all sorts of questions. Why, even though I want to be generous, why do I lean towards greed? <laughs> or maybe I'll just, I'll, I'll ask questions of myself. Why is it that I want to have a heart that's like Jesus, yet I struggle to trust God? to give me enough for the future. Notice what Jesus says next. We read through verse Luke 12, verse 21. Look at verse 22. Then Jesus said to his disciples, right, right after saying, this is what's gonna happen to anyone who's selfish and not generous towards God. Then Jesus told his disciples, the rest was for the crowd. This is for us. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you're gonna eat, or your body, what you're gonna wear. Matthew places this in the Sermon on the Mount. Luke connects it with this illustrative story of generosity. What's the solution? It begins by not worrying about my life. Why wouldn't I be so worried about my life? Because God is a generous God and God can give me everything that I need and I can let go of what belongs to God and trust him that if I need more, he'll give me more. And then if you read the rest of that passage, go to the punchline, verse 34. We'll put it on the screen. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. I'm going to bring it back to the story we read at the beginning. There's a couple of brothers worried about how come I'm not getting more money? How come I don't have more of my inheritance? And Jesus, through all of these words, says the problem is not your bank account. The problem is your heart. And if you will let God look at the heart and deal with this at the deep, the heart is not your organ in the Bible. it's the deepest place where you think, feel and act. If you will let God remotivate and reinvigorate your heart, then you're not going to be worried about your inheritance. you're going to see all as belonging to God. Here's a statement I would hope you write down. If God is generous, and God's people ought to live generously, then this is true. Living generously reminds us that God has all that we need. This is a gift, my friend. Generosity is a gift for us. Living generously reminds us. It's God's tool because you know what? I need tools because I slip into greed. I slip into selfishness. I slip into me, 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 and I'm not proud of it, but I gotta be honest about it. I'm not necessarily thinking about your good all the time. I want you to do well, but maybe not at my expense. But you know what? Living this tool of learning to live, love others, do to others as you have them do to you. This is actually for my good because it's freeing me up from greed. So generosity is what God wants to do for you, not from you. This is not about, like, why would God want to take away things from me? No, generosity is about what God wants to do for you. He wants to create in you this ability to trust Him. And when I get this right, I could say this with confidence. I'm more free. When I'm living generously, I'm actually more free. I'm more joy-filled. I have a more balanced perspective. And if I'm overly generous, if that's even possible— If I'm overly generous, you know what it will do? It will put me in a place of dependence. Like, God, wow, I actually gave away all that. And now I realize I kind of need a little too. But what is the father going to do when kids live that kind of, Dad, I, I shared my lunch. Dad, I gave what you gave me. If you're a human parent, what does that do when that's seen in your child? I mean, brownies, unlimited brownies. That's what I go to. You know, like I want to give a child who says, I want to release it for someone else. So let me ask you, how many resources do you have right now? Don't give me the number. How many resources? What, what resources do you have? You say, well, I'm a high school student. I don't have a job yet. Well, you have, you have something. You Remember, this is not about money. Do you know you have time to invest in other people? Do you know you're good at things that other people are not as good at? Do you know you may be good at a subject if you're a student and you could find another student, now you gotta do it all through Zoom these days, but you can find another student who's struggling and invest some of your time, oh, God's time, to help that struggling student. You could, you could be an encourager rather than nitpicking Uh, the things that you see that aren't good about other people, you could actually be someone who finds the good. What if we did this? Find the good in everybody. You know, there is good in everyone, minus the devil. There's good in everyone. What if you found the good in someone this week and said, I'm going to highlight the good and I'm going to speak the good. That's living generous. You're being generous with your words. It's why I used Dean and Tracy as examples Because it's one thing to write a check or to donate something online. But most of us have capped our resources by what's in our bank account. Notice, until now I didn't say anything about your bank account. Living generously reminds me God has all that I need. And so every moment is a gift. Every resource is a gift. Every subject in school is a gift. And we can use those gifts. And when we get this in balance, you know what happens? we realize we have actual unlimited resources. Nothing will be kept from you when we, and we grow into it. So if you're feeling a little down right now, like, oh man, I haven't been good at that. No problem, start today. Start today. This isn't a point the finger moment. This is an opportunity to say, let the next four weeks drill some truths in your soul that will affect the way you think and feel and live and spend. For today though, We want to respond. We actually, and the reason we're putting worship for us on the back is we want to respond in saying, okay, God, I've prayed to you. I've called on your name. I have poured out my heart to you. I've heard something that's true. Now, God, enable me to live this out. So here's the driving question that I hope will influence the way we worship. Are we willing to grow in generosity? Are we willing to grow? Um. Jesus' challenge to those to that family. I'm calling them brothers, but I actually don't know. Um, that family, I, I wonder if they were willing to think differently. And so that could be the challenge. For you, generosity has more to do with your money. It is about money, but it's about all of life. Are we willing to grow in this? And then if we are, let's let's respond with words and actions that are worshipful. So if you're here in the building, I'm gonna invite you to stand. And, and you at home can I invite you to do something please don't click off and say okay okay message done on to brunch you know uh, I want you to lean in maybe take a different posture if you're seated at home maybe that's stand up um, if you're standing up for some reason maybe that's kneeling whatever it is but here in the building I'm gonna invite you to stand because it it puts us in a different place and sometimes when I'm physically doing something different I, my mind's more alert to say, Okay, I should I should respond differently, and we want to ask God to grow us in a heart and in a mindset that is other centered. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing actual prayers. These songs are now prayers that we can make our own. Lord, we want to live like Jesus. We want to live a life that, at the end. Everything is utilized. Like every moment, every encounter, every, every dollar, every meal is useful to grow people and invite them into your loving, good care. So God, yeah, we've blown some money. We've wasted some money. We haven't thought about it the way you think about it. But, but we're coming back to you. Like children saying, Father, grow our mind, grow our heart, so that you can grow the way we see everything that belongs to you. And Lord, this week, we invite you to shift the way we see everything so that we can live generous lives. We pray this and we worship you because you want to form that in us in Jesus' beautiful name. Amen. Brandon and McKenna are going to lead us in worship at home here and bring us to the table in a few moments. And I pray that this next season will be life-changing and that the Spirit of God will speak directly to you because you've chosen to worship the King. Let's do that together.